Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, the show on YouTube and as a podcast. Today is another day for a cool interview and this time I'm meeting a master of positivity from India. Uh, Vishal Soni is my guest today who leads a double life. He's a bit like Superman and Clark Kent in the morning and unassuming architect in the evening, a uh, master of positivity who changes people's perception, their beliefs, and helps them to become a better them. So I'm, I'm dead excited about uh, having Vishal on my show and learn from his story. So welcome to you, Vishal. Lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me, Stephen. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Michelle, you we both uh, met each other on uh, on a podcast group and and a friend of you has written to me and said hey this I know my friend he would be a really good fit for your show and I'm really really pleased so first of all I want to shout out a thank you to your friend who actually made that connection but obviously your friend was very impressed with your story and that typically says a lot. You are a humble man, and uh, I want to know more. And typically, most of our stories start in childhood. So I will start with you the same, because chronologically, I think there is, especially in your case, there is so much happening there. How was it when you were growing up? Tell us a bit about that. So growing up, the only difficulty which I had in my childhood, which had become a serious issue for me, was my education. So I'm in a family where I have an elder sister. We used to go into the same school. She is three years elder to me. Now, why do I say that education was the problem? Because I used to get very bad results. I used to get low grades in my education, all my subjects. And whereas my sister was uh, completely opposite, she used to score top in her class and that basically like everybody knows how this goes then so every day it used to be a comparison between me and my sister mm -hmm. telling me that you should learn from your sister how she studies she's able to get good marks she has a good reputation like uh, teachers love her she has lots of friends and stuff she knows so many things she's good at dancing she's good at singing so many things learn from her so uh, it was always a comparison between me and my sister. And so that made it a hard time for me. But what really was happening also side by side was that every time I used to give my papers, my school papers and get low grades, I used to get these uh, comparisons to be better the next time. Every time I used to explain to my parents that, you know, I'm trying my best, I'm giving my best, but I'm not able to get marks. But it was never heard because they just wanted to me, they just wanted me to get better. So today I understand that obviously because parents always want the children to have a better career. So I understand that. But at that particular time, it was just making me feel bad that they're not listening to what I'm trying to say. And gradually what happened until I reached the ninth standard was that I had become a silent, uh, a very silent kid. And um, I never liked to anymore share anything which was within me. Emotionally, I wanted to keep everything within me. Any problems at all, I would like to keep it within me. Like I didn't want to share anything with anyone because what I felt was even if I shared my problems, it would not be worth it because they'll tell me to fix it while, you know, be better. So I'd stopped sharing it. And when I gave my ninth standard, like when I had my exams in ninth standard, I was preparing so hard for it. I just wanted so, I desperately needed good results this time. And uh, as every time I got low grades again. And in the background, again, my parents had decided that they'll send me to a boarding school in India, which is hostel and school in the same premises. So they decided to send me to a boarding school. And recently, just like at that particular time, about a few months ago, we had seen a movie which was about boarding schools and how the children were crying in that and like being far away from parents. So I was scared of that, but I never let it out. I never shared it. So that's how my childhood began. Like that's where the problem was, my education. And then after that, I was sent to a boarding school. 
and which was not my decision it was my parents and my parents did it because they wanted me to live in an independent environment to be able to learn lot many things while i'm alone be independent grow up as a man be good at education develop a good character and so on so they had high expectations from me and high expectations from the environment they were sending me into but little did they know what i was going to go through because for majority of my childhood i had spent time here in the uae so here i had a very decent friend circle we were all good kids we all just like playing sports never cursing to each other like we were all well behaved kids at that time until ninth standard at least and so when i went to india it was completely different the environment that i saw in the hostel was completely different the kids the body language the way they spoke the way they walked talked anything at all it was completely different like i the first day i remember that thing which shocked me was that there were a few bunch of students uh, the hostlers standing and talking to each other they were openly cursing to each other they were openly like pushing each other and like you know having fun like laughing at it and stuff what i felt was weird because when i saw that i was like he's cursing at him and he's laughing and he's pushing him and he's still not bothered about it like i'm like what the hell is happening but it was a new environment for me so i wasn't uh, able to grasp that that quickly i wanted to adjust rather than adapt because i didn't want to become like them i just wanted to adjust so until 6 days i was all alone nobody came to talk to me i was the only kid who was the uh, i was the only student who was new in 10th standard in the 10th grade there was one more but he managed to blend with all the other students quite easily like he was already in the groups whereas nobody came to talk to me and i was in that person who would just walk up to someone and try to make friendship at that time because i was silent uh it was 6 days within the hostel and on the 6th day i had got severely beaten up just because i was walking in the corridor just watching in every room what people were doing because it was vacation i was bored nobody to talk to so that's all i could do i was walking in the corridor seeing what people are doing one room caught my attention which was filled with a crowd like there was a group of students in one room so i that caught my attention i just started to see what was happening but what they saw was as if i was peeping and trying to see what they were doing but i hardly saw anything as i walked my way front one of the kids came out from the room started to verbally uh, fight with me he started abusing me started cursing at me i never cursed i was never cursed at so that became a real big issue for me but i was still requesting him to you know not do that uh, but he was enjoying with the fact that i was not firing anything at him so he was enjoying that it became a verbal argument and one of the kids came from the room and said that you know hey don't fight in the corridor don't shout here come inside the room have a peaceful talk i thought it was going to be peaceful little did i know uh, as soon as everybody went within the room i was also in the room and the room was locked in the center was me and that guy who were verbally fighting and that guy basically started to remove his shirt and be prepared for a fight and i had no idea zero experience in fighting uh barely had i pushed anyone in my life before so um within a few seconds it became a fight within a few seconds he just came towards me without asking he pushed me and all i could do was push him so i just put in all my power into that to push him as hard as possible he banged toward the door but that just triggered him even more he within the next few seconds i was on the ground he held my hair and just banged my head on the floor for the first time in my life everything became black in front of my eyes and um yeah i i just couldn't see anything with my open eyes itself and i knew that something happened but all the other guys at that time started uh, like just shouting out loud that you know hey just calm down don't do too much and stuff so he stopped and i just stood up from there and i went towards my room so that was the fir- that was just the sixth day of me in the hostel and not a good experience to be in and since that day the word might have spread that you know this guy got hit up and like we beat him up and stuff like that and so basically they started teasing me because obviously i looked different from them i came from a different country like overseas so i looked different the way how i spoke certain words was different um and especially the fact was that i was skinny so i looked very weak at that time so that became an easy target for them so that basically started the bullying phase in my life the 
first worst experience i would say which was really hard to suffer because i was away from my parents i had nobody to like even if i was not sharing things with my parents but at least when i go back home i can see my parents and i feel a little bit relaxed like it's there subconsciously but at that particular time i was alone surrounded with everybody whom i didn't know so the bullying phase continued after that very severely i was uh, beat up on the sixth day itself i was teased for how i looked and i was also threatened for if i tried speaking to someone like you know saying asking someone to close the door or something it was bad so i felt alone i went into a very dark place and um, wasn't really liking the life which i was living because i had just come through a place where i was not good at education and here i am being tortured for who i am so the bullying phase continued and one day a self realization hit me that probably i should start working out like maybe exercise is my way because it's probably because i look skinny that's why they're making use of me so i started exercising we didn't have any internet or any mediums to search on because we didn't we were not allowed electronic devices at our hostel so all i could do was trying to remember movies on how actors used to exercise like one or two exercises which i remembered i used to do those exercises while i was alone in the room and especially in the evening sports time i used to go between the buses and exercise because i didn't want to exercise in front of the other guys i knew that would become another topic for them and that exact that's exactly what happened two weeks i had exercise and after two weeks someone spotted me between the buses and since i was hiding and doing it that became an even more intense topic to be teased for um henceforth since that day they started teasing me even more and became a rough time and yes it was a time when i was questioning myself why am i alive like what's my purpose but as i said i was a decent kid when i was here and i had not been exposed to such kind of things such as suicide or anything i was not interested in news basically so i never watched news so Uh, lucky me <laughs> when i was going through this rough time the question did come that why am i alive but obviously that didn't come in my mind that i should just end it because that was not an option which i ever knew um what i did was i just gave up exercising for another one or two months i suffered through extreme bullying again and again like after lots of self talk because when a person is alone you have no choice but talk to yourself and that's exactly what i was doing another thing which i was doing side by side was i used to you know doodle like if i'm sitting in the classroom i used to doodle on the table i used to doodle behind my sketchbook not focus in the class and stuff because my mind was at a completely different place and for one to two months i had given up on exercise again but then a self realization came after all that self talk that you know why have i stopped exercising when they're still teasing me so probably i can exercise and then be teased that's going to be better so with that <laughs> with that attitude i was like okay let's do it and so i started exercising once again but this time the approach was much more aggressive this time it was all about you know uh, i'm going to do it like even if you don't like it i'm going to do it so it was that aggressive nature coming in me and i could realize that like every rep every exercise which i was doing and i was feeling that you know okay i'm getting that frustration and anger out of myself um probably after that like i think i did that exercise for probably a month i was continuous and that's when after a month things started to change like something good happened in my life that good happened to me within the library so in the library i used to always look for sketching books because i had started doodling but that particular day i had like by that particular day i had gone through all the books of sketching so now it was time for me to try some other books i didn't like novels i didn't like story books so it was a challenge for me to go to the other racks but i did as i was searching through the books i did find a book which was hidden behind all the vertically stacked books and it was like hidden of some way so when i took it out like it just came across my fingers and i took it out and it read the secret like i was just 15 years old at that time and reading the title secret and that it was stacked behind the books was like all all making links within my head like you know secret hidden and stuff <laughs> so i turned the book behind just to see what the book is about because i didn't want it to be a novel when i read the behind side the back cover of the book it said that you can attract anything into your life what you believe in 
and reading those few phrases really started to catch my attention even more i open up the content page just to be sure again that it's not a novel and the contents were pleasing enough and so i immediately got the book issued i secretly put it in my bag and i decided that i'll read this book whenever i'm alone i read that book for a while and that basically started to open my eyes like i started to practice the secret in very kiddish ways but whenever it did work it made me more fascinated about it because i always loved magic but this was a whole another level like they were saying that it was real and that's all i wanted so as i was reading i used to practice little things like you know just laying on the bed it was too cold so i wanted to close the door and i'm there like a superhuman trying to close the door without getting up and stuff it's all kiddish but i tried it like that was some place where i felt like you know maybe i can start from here there were no limitations in the book so i knew i didn't know where to start from that's how i started at some days i was just sitting in the balcony trying to make it rain and it did like it did it actually did <laughs> when it actually did on a sunny day when it rained within an hour of practice it was like a, it was like i'm super human <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> so uh, whenever that happened that used to cheer me up and that's how happiness started coming into my life but also i started to notice the things which i was not doing right i was focusing too much on the bad stuff in regards to my education i was focusing on my previous failures in regards to not being able to make friends in the hostel i was focusing too much on how different they were so i knew where i was focusing wrong and even on the exercises of course i started to notice that maybe fitness is not going to work out for me because i'm i'm working out while having something else in my head so i started working out for my own sake i started working out so that i can become much better and like have my own um armor <laughs> like i i considered my body as my armor so like if i'm going to be huge i'm going to be good looking so that was like my approach towards everything changed and so did my life everything in my life improved my education improved i started to make friends i got very good at like education seriously like i used to get 50 to 55 or 60% marks at max before and in 10th standard i suddenly jumped towards 80 and so that was a shocker for me because i didn't know that but positive approach was the secret and um my parents were shocked but they were proud as well uh sketching became my hobby so i became good at it as well and yeah so that's how basically my life took the first good turn beautiful beautiful wow i I'm just floored by your attitude having been bullied myself I was I know this dark place very well uh I was younger than you when it happened to me but it's still uh it still is in there despite the fact that it's only hazy moments that that sort of keep coming back but it causes so much insecurity so much low mood so low self esteem that out of that a lot of negative things can grow yet here for you completely independent without help without anyone being really there to guide you you found a way out that is very very positive and that just blows me away this is just so beautiful that is whatever forces are there in the universe that guide people i think you had a force that was really guiding you right so i'm really really pleased for you but and again this would be a very boring talk if this was all we have got our hero we have got one challenge and that's it is done it yay <laughs> let's ride into the sunset it doesn't work like that <laughs> the life no, see not at I, all. i always think we are, we are part of a big greek tragedy so the gods are up there and they're looking down and thinking he just got it he just got it <laughs> what can we do now come on guys come on guys what can we throw at him <laughs> come, that's a no, nice no, no. way to put it no, that's right we have done that already no 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 it needs to be more it needs to be come on i want to see his sweat yeah. his tears his blood 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 is good so <laughs> and it got a bit bloody for you didn't it um 
how did it continue? So here you were finally defining yourself within within your uh, settings. You loved the, the doodling and I, I can already see where that went. So you made doodling a little bit more professional and made money out of it, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry that I call architects doodlers. Sorry, I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I became good at sketching. Yeah. And uh, in my 11th standard, I became the co-art captain of the school. In 12th standard, I became the art captain. So art became my strength. And my parents started to notice that, you know, I'm actually achieving badges, which I'm able to keep on my shirt while I'm walking in the school. So that was something to be proud of. Finally, they had something. And they were seeing the changes. In 12th standard came another shocker when I scored very good results in my 12th standard. When my parents were just expecting me to pass, I had... Uh, completely like scored a good result so they were happy and uh, it was time for me to get into your university trying to get in a good course for my future and initially I did want to go into the army navy and air force because of course fitness was something which was really attracting me so but my mother didn't allow for that because I was the only boy <laughs> and uh, after that since I had a good hand on creativity, on sketching, so I wanted to become a designer, then I wanted to become an artist, then I wanted to become an art teacher, then I wanted to become, there were so many things. <laughs> but ultimately, because my parents were again and again telling me what's good, what's not good, uh, all of them were not good. <laughs> so I had to decide on something good for my career. And I had decided to do bachelor's in uh, maybe software engineering. Attempted the exam, but not good enough. Results were not good because I was not made for those engineering, like technical stuff and stuff. I realized that later. But my interest was in computer. That's the reason why I was going into software engineering. So my father advised me to take on architecture, although I didn't know what architecture was at that particular time. Like I had no clue about it. Sorry, but my GK was very weak at that time. I focused only on the stuff which was important for me. So architecture was never important. I got into architecture and I started to love the field. I realized that it was art and computers combined. So that was everything which I wanted. And um, I came into a university. I was enrolled and with a good result, I went into it after clearing the entrance exams. I was, uh, I was again kept into the hostel of the college because I was staying in India. Like my parents had to come back here. So I couldn't stay alone in the house. So I was put into the hostel. Now it was a new hostel and this time the experience was much better. This time I made friends. I was good in education already. Uh, faculty started to love me and I had with love. I would also say I got into a relationship for the first time. That was too quick for me, but I was happy with that. And life started to take many good turns and I was enjoying it. But Life is not always a straight line on which you walk on. Like it's not, it doesn't always get better and better. There's going to be these spices in the middle, as you said, like God is seeing that if you have faced one challenge, you have done it. Time to upgrade your level. Yeah, and exactly. there came, <laughs> yeah. So there came another challenge in my life. I was in second year. Uh, I had just attended two or three weeks into the third semester. And uh, my sister had got engaged at that time. So I took a vacation for one or two days just to get into the organization and like arranging everything and having the celebration done. My father and mother came into India just for that. It was my last day for my father to be in India. His vacation was ending. He had to come back. So he decided to call me over for a family dinner. I went house again, once again, just for the family dinner. And it was nighttime. It was November in 2014. And uh, winter time, so just to tell you the context, our house was in a very deserted place, not many people around. And since it was winters, the people who you were there in the shops, they used to close their shops early and go back home because it was cold. So that's probably much context which required. And so I reached home and I saw this very cool bike parked in front of the house. I went into the house and started requesting that, you know, just let me try that bike. Like, you know, it looks so good. I just want to try it. My parents were again and again saying, no, that, you know, dinner will be ready any moment and stuff. But I said that, okay, I'll just go nearby the house. Just let me try it. So ultimately they did allow me. It was probably 7.30 in the evening. And I took the bike 
went out and I was just three or four lanes across when I started to have a phone call. I wasn't one of those cool guys who would like to ride the bike and be on the phone. So I didn't do that. I parked the bike beside the road in the unpaved area properly and put it on a stand. I was still sitting on it while I was taking out my phone just to see who was calling me. And uh, while I was doing that in the same process, like it was just so quick, while I was taking out my phone, going through the contacts, in the meanwhile, I was hearing a high-speed car sound. But at that time, it didn't bother me because even while I was driving, I was hearing it, but it was far away. So I didn't bother about it because, you know, somebody might be enjoying it, it's fine. So I took out the mobile phone. At that particular time, the sound increased. And so I turned back just to see where the car was. And in fact, the car was just on the beside, like the road which was beside. And it was a two-lane road, had cement pillars in between and two lanes on the other side. So the car was on the road just beside me, but instead of driving on the road, it seemed to be coming right towards me. Like I was way away from the road, but it was coming towards me. The car basically smashed into the bike on which I was sitting. The bike went meters away from the incident. And I went from the left side of the road into the center of the road and I was found laying adjacent to a broken pillar, broken cement pillar. And the car which had hit me had never stopped. He just never stopped. He just went away, probably might be drunk. I don't know, like we never caught him because the place was deserted, no CCTV cameras and I never bothered about him. So I was found in the middle and there were no scratches on my body. My body was completely fine, but my face was covered in blood. So that says it all that it was an airborne impact from the left side to the middle of the road. And I hit a cement pillar face first. The pillar was broken into three pieces and my face was broken into 14 pieces. At that particular time, I knew nothing. I, all I remember was a big white color SUV coming right towards me. That's all. After that, I'm, after that, I was completely unconscious. I knew nothing. But where the incident happened on the perpendicular side, just on the other side, there was the security guard of our area who was taking the rounds, the night rounds, just to ensure safety and security in the colony. This incident happened right in front of him. But he was on a cycle, so he immediately rushed towards the incident. He saw that car hitting and going. He came towards the incident. He saw me in a critical condition. He just screamed for help instantly. There were two other people who were far away on the same road. They were taking their manual vegetable carts and going back home. They heard the cry and they came back just to see what happened. So I was there laying almost like unconscious about like just fighting death probably. And there were these three guys with me. And henceforth, whatever has happened until my recovery has taught me many lessons. It's six lessons, how I put it. But... I'll try to cover most of them by telling you the whole story after that. So I was in a very critical condition. Of course, face first impact, it's, it's pretty much sure that I would have gone. Uh, but the efforts were there from those three guys, especially from the guard, because the first lesson which I learned was at that particular incident, because if I imagine myself at that incident, I might have not known what to do. But that guard was uneducated. He never even stepped into a school. He didn't look well. He was not dressed like he, he was not earning so much. So he wasn't that well dressed as well. But if somebody would judge him just by his looks, they might underestimate him because what he did was truly something which you cannot expect. He quickly searched for my pockets. He found out my cell phone, but my cell phone had a screen lock. So what did he do next? Instantly, he broke my phone. He took out the SIM card, put it into his own mobile just to get the contacts. And as soon as he opened the contacts, he dialed the first contact. Like thinking about these things instantly is something which I might not know. Like that guard is doing that like as if he knows it, like, you know, he has been doing it. And so that's the first lesson in my life, which is never judge anybody. Uh, be it their color, be it their caste, be it their anything, like just do not judge. And then comes the second lesson in my life, which I would say for the people who believe in God, God does hear your prayers. So how I put it is that people who believe in superpowers, people who believe in God, whenever a desire for something is sent, when the prayers are sent, you are basically emitting an energy and God does hear that. That superpower does hear that and he sends help for you. Why do I say that? Like some people might say these are coincidences, which I'll say now. 
but so many coincidences in series are not coincidences it's someone hearing you so what happened basically was he dialed the first contact and it was immediate like it was one of my immediate seniors from college who knew me and he used to live far away from my house but at that particular time he was just nearby my house like all these might seem coincidences i'll just go about saying all of these and you can judge what was coincidence what was not so he was just nearby my house at that particular time it was night time and when he got the call he immediately as a reflex action said that you know bring him to this hospital it's nearby and i'll keep everything arranged and just bring him there as soon as possible and he cut the call he failed to ask if you have a vehicle or not because they were having their two manual carts and one cycle that was not going to get me to the hospital a deserted place there were four or five cars passing by that incident but nobody stopped now call it a coincidence yet again one of the car was going um uh, just to tell you the security guard who had found me first used to meet me almost twice a week so he knew me well but my face was so shattered and covered in blood he couldn't recognize me and um there was a car passing by in which there were two people the one who was sitting on the passenger seat made the driver stop the car saying that you know wait stop i think i know him i think i know him i have no clue how he knew me like even after recovering i found out that this was the guy who took me to the hospital he claimed to know me because he was my mother's friend's son but i never met him i never met him in person i never knew him but he knew me he said and so he request started requesting his friend and he put me into the car somehow and they took me to the hospital in the meanwhile my senior had prepared everything in the hospital got everything arranged and he called my parents as well now you know when things bad happen in life it might come at any particular moment and when it does come like this let me tell you because when my senior called my parents my father was doing the evening prayer he was sitting in front of the like we have this small temple within the house he was sitting there and doing the evening prayer and my mother was in the kitchen cooking dinner for everybody it was such an happy environment within the house and then they get a call that your son is had your son has met a serious accident like rushed towards this hospital so at that particular time yes your mind does question your like you question yourself that was i praying for this so but still like whatever it may be my parents just gathered everything quickly they came to the hospital everybody rushed i was taken into the first hospital they started performing the surgery on the top of my right eyebrow they cut me open from here first it was all sudden like you know they were doing it immediately as soon as they cut me open that was actually where they stopped they saw that my skull was completely shattered and the doctors just gave up immediately after seeing it they said that this is too complex for us to handle sorry we cannot do it like we'll not proceed as well we'll just keep him here and it was a critical condition my parents had to take a quick decision uh my father's friend had also come because my father had called them and one of my father's friends suggested that you know let's take him to that hospital there is a neurosurgeon specialist doctor he has dealt with uh, these kind of cases let's take him there it was far away for those who like coincidences here's another one now i had to be taken to the another hospital and the city was crowded how would i reach there the hospital in which i was being operated they were friendly enough to uh, they were humble enough to give their ambulance and they said that we'll give our own ambulance like we'll not charge you or anything we'll just put just put him in the ambulance and we'll take him to the next hospital so you know all these small links which are just getting in the middle just making me reach towards that is just god hearing your prayers like deny it as much as you want but it's true so i was taken to the next hospital and uh, i was luckily reached i reached on time but nobody knew it until 7 days because until 7 days the surgery was being performed on my face and i was there in the operation theater every time the doctor came out and he told my like my parents asked what happened like is he fine the doctor used to say that you know he's not going to be safe but we are trying so that went on for 7 days and my parents had not even bothered like they didn't even remember to go back house to sleep or have some rest or cook some food none of that like they stayed in the waiting area on those steel benches just waiting for a good news to come out all they could do is pray for 7 days and on the 7th day the prayers were heard the doctor came out the doctor said that he is in the safe zone and he just needs to be conscious again and um we're going to have him safe now 
uh, we just don't know in what condition he will be in, but he'll be alive. So that was one sign of relief because that's all my parents wanted. They just wanted me alive. So after that, I was kept in the ICU for probably a month or two. And uh, after a month or two, finally, in the ICU, I opened my eyes for the first time. I did tell you that positivity was a big part of my life since 10th grade. And yes, it had developed a character in myself as well. At times when I used to feel that, what's my purpose? There was an answer for that now. The answer was that my purpose in life is to make people around me happy. Even if it's my enemy, even if it's my friend, even if it's a stranger, I just wanted everybody beside me happy. Like I wanted that vibe. So I was that person who was spreading it. I wanted like, I would do anything funny. I would crack a joke. I would do anything to make them happy. And at that particular time, when I opened my eyes, I knew that I was in the hospital. I knew something bad had happened. But little did I spend time to know what had happened to me. All I could see was my parents in front of me. And they started crying as soon as I opened my eyes. And what concerned me was that, you know, they're crying. I need to make them happy. <laughs> like that was my mentality. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, why am I in the hospital? Someone tell me. <laughs> there was banded around my face. There was both of my hands were tied to the stretcher so that I wouldn't move too much. And uh, my jaw was locked. I couldn't move it. I knew all of that, but there I was focusing. I need to make parents happy like they're crying. <laughs> my mission. And uh, I just started to smile. I started, I tried to wave them with the tied hand, but they became even more emotional. They started crying even more. All my attempts were going to fail. Come on. And uh, I knew that, okay, maybe I just need to calm down. Like maybe I cannot do anything at this stage. So I let them calm down eventually. And all I did at that particular time was have a very big sleep, wake up, see my parents and have a very big sleep again. <laughs> so that all, that's all I did in the ICU. But gradually, as I opened my eyes within, after a few days, my mother came in, like in front of my face to ask me that, you remember me? Because the doctors used to say that he might be gone into a state where like he might not remember anything because it was a face first injury. Like it's, it's 99% that they said that he will not remember anything. But my mother came in front of me to say that, you remember me? And I was like, <laughs> with that jaw locked, I said, mommy. And then she started crying, like burst into tears. I was like, no, not for this reason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was an emotional time. But that was, the, that was the moment where I learned my third lesson as well. Now, I did tell you before the podcast that when from this school, which was here in Fujaira, I shifted to India into the hostel. And from there, I shifted to college. Whenever I shifted my school and I went into the college, like I was never messaged with from my friends. Like when I was in the hostel, I took a vacation. When I had my vacation, I went Facebook, like just to see who messaged me. Like someone might have missed me because I left without saying anybody, but I had zero messages and I, that broke my heart somewhere. Like I felt like friendship wasn't real. And then when I went to college, the same thing happened again. So I had not, I didn't have faith on friendships. All I felt was that friendships are temporary, like just for the moment, just be happy. Um, but at that particular time, I learned my third lesson, which was that even though people are not able to express, they do care for you. Firstly, your parents do care for you. And secondly, there are many other people around you. They might be your friends. They might be strangers. They might be someone you just met once. They do care for you, but they're not able to express it. They might not be able to text you. Why do I say that? Because I was there in the ICU and I was overwhelmed with the care which I was seeing because everybody from the college had come to meet me every day. Like they used to come in small groups just to adjust into that small ICU room and just say that, you know, get well and stuff. And my parents used to make them stand in a line and make me try to remember everybody's name. And I used to tell everybody's <laughs> name. Uh, so I was overwhelmed because... There were so many juniors and seniors also coming in who, whom I had never even talked to, but they showed their, they expressed their, uh, you know, care and uh, that they care for me. People from my high school had also come from my, the school in which I was in hostel. Even they came who got to know about it. My faculties came and I was overwhelmed with that. Now, after a few more months, uh, my mother had, like, she wasn't liking that I was there in the ICU for so long. She requested the doctors that I could go into the house and after lots of complications like my, the doctors finally agreed that, okay, fine, take him and after a week, bring him back for a checkup. We need to see if he's making progress. I was taken to the house. My mother looked after me 
I was told to have strict bed rest. There was one nasal pipe through my nose. So all she had to take care was like, give me all the medicines on time. Make sure if I, there's anything I need that she'll do it for me. And she looked after me for a week. We went to the hospital. We had all the checkups done about an hour. And then we were standing in front of the doctor. Like she was standing in front of the doctor. I was there on the wheelchair. And the results were out in front of the doctor. The doctor stared right in front of my mother's eyes. And he was like, just staring blank. That scared me. And it scared even more to my mother. Like something wrong might have happened. And the doctor said even more frightening thing after that. He said that, no, what have you done? <laughs> and that, that literally scared us. And my mother was like, you know, doctor, if something bad has happened, you keep him in the hospital once again. It's okay. Just keep him here. Just make him recover nicely. And then the doctor said that, no, you don't have to ask for that. Whatever you have done is magical because the results show that he has made even more speedy recovery. Now to put that down into much more detailed fashion, the doctor explained that an ideal blood count in a brain should be 12 grams. And because of the accident, my blood count had gone down to seven grams. I was there in the ICU for four months and I had gone from seven grams to eight and a half to nine grams. And I was there with one week with my mother in the house, her looking after me, doing everything she could for me. And within a week, my blood count had gone from eight and a half to nine grams to directly to 11 grams, just within a week. <laughs> and so that's where whatever, I also learned the whole lesson. Whatever your mummy feeds you. Can I just have the recipes? That would be just good. <laughs> Sorry that's for true. interrupting that's you. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. What you have said makes complete sense. It's like whatever your mother makes, she makes with so much love put into it. That's actually some energy which works. It actually works. And that's probably the fourth lesson which I was going to say that no matter how big of a person you might be in your life, like you might be even a grown-up adult, your mother knows best. Like that's the fourth lesson, simple and short. And uh, the doctors <laughs> agreed for my mother to take me back to the house and have strict bed rest. And that was the time when I was also starting to notice the things which had happened because of the accident. If, of course, it was a phase first impact. I wasn't going to be 100% normal. And gradually I started to notice the things. So there was one day when I was laying on bed, my mother went to the kitchen and I was just curious to see myself because I hadn't looked at myself for so long. So I took the initiative to get out of bed. As soon as I stood, I felt dizzy. I felt like I could fall, but I took the support of the wall. I went until my room and I saw myself in the mirror and I, I swear I had, I was shocked. I was shocked because before the accident, I had made decent muscle. Like I was a good looking dude before the accident. And now when I looked at myself, of course I was covered with bandage, regardless of that. I was seeing my body like I slowly unbuttoned my shirt to see rib cage around me and just bones on my arms. And I was like, where's the muscle? <laughs> Who took it? <laughs> and I'm telling it in a funny way now, but at that particular time, I had almost got into tears. And because it was four, uh, four years of hard work, which I had put into and it was all gone. And but the positive approach again, like I quickly snapped back out of it opened the cupboard, took out a resistant. I, I completely forgot that I was told to have bed rest. I took out resist, a resistant band. I put it under my leg and I was started to curl. I was like, okay, biceps first. <laughs> and when I started to do that, my mother came inside the room. Maybe she heard some noise. <laughs> she came inside the room and she was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Look at your condition. <laughs> and she scolded me. She took me to the other room and uh, she told me to have bed rest. And I discussed with my mother that, you know, I'm not happy the way I look, how I look. I need to improve. So I immediately wanted to start. I didn't want to waste time. And uh, my mother said that, you know, let, let the doctors tell you when you need to stand up and then you do it. I agreed with that. And slowly and steadily, I got to know about the other cases as well. Like whenever I used to look at some particular angles, one of my eyes used to levitate somewhere else. And that basically became a lazy eye because of the accident. One of my eyes had shifted backwards. My face isn't symmetrical even today. So I had double vision because of that. But since I didn't know it, I had the habit of focusing just with the one eye. So the other eye became a lazy eye. And since then, double vision has been a part of my life. And uh, there was one day when I was sitting like this, 
as I am in the video right now. Uh, my mother gave me earplugs and my mobile phone just to listen to some music or watch some videos. I was sitting with the earplugs like this and I couldn't hear the music well. So I removed the earplugs just to see that, you know, what's wrong. And when I removed the earplug from my right ear first and from my left ear second, and then I observed that, okay, that, wait a second, wait a second, yeah. rewind. <laughs> and I put it back inside, removed it back from my right ear, and then I was like, okay, so there's the problem. The music wasn't right because the left ear isn't working. So I observed that. And it was shocking at that particular time. I didn't want to agree with that. Like, I didn't want that loss. At that particular time, I tried so hard to put that earplug as deep as possible just to be able to hear something, but it didn't work. And uh, there was one day when my mother was trying to make me smell some food I couldn't smell. I knew about that as well. In the recovery period also, my doctor told me a medical condition that's so strange. I hope nobody goes through that. But since I went through it, I'm happy that I went through it because I turned it into something so beautiful today. So my neurosurgeon doctor had told me that I had a brain condition in which I was never going to be allowed in my life to have any serious emotions. Because if I'm going to be super angry, super depressed, super stressed, super happy, super like overjoyed, any of that is going to have a swelling in my brain. Because of the accident, my brain had basically swollen up to that extent. When I was there in the hospital, like the first day, my face was double the size of a normal face all because of the brain swelling. So that brain swelling was going to come back as soon as I would go into those emotions. So I was told to be like that. That particular time when I was hearing this for the first time, I was just saying myself, oh, Vishal, this doctor is trying to ask you to be a robot, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> so uh, I was like, okay, so robotic, <laughs> that's going to be my life. And at that particular time, yes, it was emotional. That's the reason why I was saying robotic, but Positivity has helped me after that to convert everything into something very beautiful. Uh, the fifth lesson I would say was about never giving up, which is one of the strongest things you can ever hear. But since it's so common to hear never give up, how I put it forward is in my own way, regardless of what situation in you are in, like regardless of the situation you are in, never give up. That's the right way to say it. Because you might be in a very bad situation. Like I was in that. I was going through medical conditions, but I was not giving up. I wanted to have that ordinary life still. And I was not ready to accept that I'm not going to have it. So I was there in my house having bed rest again, recovery phase going on. It was the fifth month and something just clicked to my head that, okay, it's been five months. What about my education? Like I was in second year, like my third semester had just begun. So I started texting my friends and everybody and I got to know that exams were just one week ahead. I started requesting my parents, like, you know, I'm going to give these exams. I have to give these exams. Like I'm not going to sit in the same semester just because I didn't attempt the exams. I need to give it. I was stubborn for that. My parents requested my sister to do something. My sister talked to the university. The university requested the higher departments and they got permission to have a special paper for me. So they arranged an MCQ paper for me, which I'll just have to take the answers. But of course it was going to be for the second year. Like I hadn't studied for it, uh, but I went for the exam. Like, let me tell you, why do I say never give up regardless of the situation? Because now try to imagine this situation. I was standing in front of my college gate. Like the doctors had agreed for me to give the exams as well, because they told me that someone would have to support me. Now try to feel this incidence. I was standing in front of the college there was crepe banded around my head. There was one of my eyes was having a bandage as well. And there was nasal pipe going through my nose and I was completely good. I wasn't completely dressed like properly. I hadn't sh like shaved as well. So I was like a hairy man at that time, but it wasn't just my uh, appearance. My sister was on my left and my mother was on the right, just helping me walk. And they took me inside. And uh, my sister took me to the lecture hall where I was like, the, she took me to the staff room where I was supposed to give the exam. The whole college was just looking at me like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> but I was there to give my exams and I knew it. That's the kind of determination that everybody needs to have in their life. Like you don't have to think about where you are, just never give up. And so I went until the staff room and like my friends had told my sister that, you know, if he has any questions, text us and we'll give you the answers. Just let us know. We are outside. 
they were giving me offers let alone my friends when i went into the staff room all the teachers passing by my place they were like you know son if you have any questions let's let us know because we know your condition like we'll help you and there was like so much help being offered to me but when the question paper came in front of me my sister was just staring at me because i was taking the answers one by one and not asking anything and she was by the end of the paper like i was done and i was like okay i'm done and my sister was like are you sure you don't want to ask you'd probably fail you haven't studied anything i was like chill it's fine <laughs> and i gave the exam i cleared it i passed i went to the next semester without skipping my education as far as my as far as my physical self is concerned as soon as the doctors told me that i can stand and perform light exercises that's where i knew i'm going to boost start this whole process again and i was like four years into building that body i'll make it in four months now and four months was just my target but i had recovered all the gains back which i had before the accident just within three months this time and it was a gradual process how i increased it i didn't all of a sudden go into the gym started lifting heavy because i couldn't the first day when i was just jogging i could feel that you know i'm not able to have my balance so i slowly started taking steps brisk walking and then jogging and then sprinting and then lifting weights body weights and stuff and within 3 months i was in the same condition and people were shocked looking at my recovery and that's why i say never give up regardless of the condition now the sixth lesson is not far away it's going side by side i had some medical conditions with me those dear medical conditions were not something which i was upset about because i had positivity by my side positivity is so beautiful which is like i'll just go away from the story for a while because this is one one small line one small um part which i like to share with everybody which is like i love to share this with everybody that when you are a small child when you have just maybe probably fallen down from the sofa or you have got some small bruise you are very small and you're crying you're crying too much because you're hurt your parents come in front of you with a small soft toy and like try to distract you and immediately like you're you're distracted like you forget that you're hurt and you start laughing like that moment is just so beautiful why do i say this moment every time i like to share it because when you were small you knew how to be happy when you grow up you just forget it and that's somewhere where positivity comes in because now that you're grown up positivity needs to be a permanent part of your life now i had medical conditions let me tell you about that just because i couldn't hear from the left ear that wasn't something which i was sad about because i was studying bachelor's in architecture the classrooms were noisy and whenever it was noisy and i had to work on my laptop I, all i had to do was just sit like this with one of my ears closed which was working and with the other hand i was still able to work on my laptop like i i felt like i was immortal like nobody can stop me like i just had to close one ear and still be able to work and i felt like too good for that uh, about my smell i wasn't thinking that i'm not able to smell the good stuff i was happy that i couldn't smell the bad stuff because while i like that's something which is more important for humans like i feel that like you know it's i'm blessed to be not able to smell that's how i put it because whenever i'm in the gym and i'm not able to smell that stinky smell which everybody else is suffering i am like just performing my exercise happily if i'm going to a place which is smelling bad because of the surroundings I, i'm chill with it my friends are complaining about it so i felt good i felt really good and about my eyes i wouldn't say that there was something which i converted into positive but i did find these specks which are basically present specks they helped me try to focus on things a little better it's still double vision but i can focus on it i've managed to clear my whole college life with this condition all these conditions i've scored good results all of my faculties just loved me so much because of my attitude and my attitude was because of the strange medical condition that i had with my brain remember i had told you that i was not allowed to have serious emotions how did i convert that into positivity i just changed my behavior what i felt was that whenever in my life when someone would try to make me angry or if someone is just angry at me like let alone trying to make me angry if they are frustrated if they are trying to get things out on me all what i would do is i would take my secret weapon which was making people happy before and keep it as a storage 
what i used to do was like if someone is scolding me someone is getting angry at me i would let them completely like like empty their tank once they're stopped once they have stopped they're all done i would crack a joke make sure that they are happy and that's it like we are friends again <laughs> so i never had to become angry for that situation i never had to react for any of that i did promise myself one thing though i promised myself that if i'll have to ever be happy or overjoyed i'm not going to stop that like i don't care if that brings a swelling because i know it's a positive emotion it's not going to harm me and so it never did since then all my life has been about happiness it's all about gratitude it's all about positivity mm. and so the sixth lesson how i put it down is positivity is something so strong in our lives that you can convert something so negative and bad within your life into something so beautiful that you'll cherish all your life like you'll you'll treasure that and that is how i treasure my medical conditions and that is why i say that i have grown into a person who i am today and i'm able to be happy happiness is which happiness is something which everybody is after all chasing in their lives like you might you might be chasing money you might be chasing some girl or some for relationship or something but ultimately it's for happiness because it brings you happiness and that's something which has become a permanent part of my life i have opened the doors towards happiness and that's how i want to help people know about my story and open their doors to happiness just by using the key which is positivity and uh, not to forget like just to compile all my story up there is one good lesson how i say in the end that's not the seventh lesson it's just to summarize everything which is very much related to me but very much related to you as well everybody who is listening life may end at any particular moment <laughs> at any particular moment because it was for me it was going to end for me why not just live every moment why like i even today i have some of my friends complaining that you know we should live our lives right now like when we'll become old like we'll not be able to live our lives and stuff i was like why do you want to complain so much just live the moment now live the moment then that's it and so that's the lesson that you know if life can end at any particular moment live every moment and if positivity is by your side you can make anything bad into something so good that others are going to be jealous about so that's my story <laughs> oh vishal <laughs> what a story that is and it it reverbs so much with my own belief system it is it is so beautifully put you are not just an architect you're an architect of words you're a wordsmith uh the eloquence with which you were able to to first have insight and then express those emotions those feelings shows a level of i don't know expertise that's all the wrong words that are coming to my mind now you are just such an inspiration that it blows my mind absolutely blows my mind i'm so humbled that you are sharing these insights with us it is a beautiful 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 thing and i'm so grateful to you and indeed the, the gratitude the power of gratitude is such immense why do we not harness this power more often and that is a question i i can't i can't answer and i must say that life has a habit of trying to distract you life has a habit of of uh you're just rolling with the punches and what said it a month ago or so i did a gratitude challenge where i uh, was challenging the the viewers to go out there have one minute in the morning do nothing else than be happy and grateful for whatever it is and the same one minute in the evening two minutes out of 1818 1880 minutes and i thought that's you know doable and it actually put every time i did it it put a big smile on my face and that week was a good week uh despite of things not going so well but once you focus on the positive it was a very beautiful thing and yet the last few weeks i've been busy 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 and i have forgotten to put the emphasis on the gratitude 
So here you are, just talking to you or listening to you, far more importantly. I very much love your six lessons. And it is the gratitude and the positivity, I think, that we all can learn from. Wow, you are, you are amazing. You're an absolute amazing, amazing teacher there. And I am in awe of the willingness you put in to accept those things that you cannot change, the courage you found to change the things you can, and you, de you developed the wisdom to know the difference. You are a living example of the serenity prayer. And that's just mind-blowing. <laughs> Absolute mind-blowing. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you for the kind words, Stephen. Oh, please, Vishal. I mean, if people want to work with you, uh, do you do you offer uh, current training or do you have such long waiting lists that, that you have to fight people off your door? Because <laughs> if they know such such a power exists in one person for crying out loud, I would be standing there. I want to train with you. <laughs> uh, th there's not going to be a waiting list. Like everybody and anybody is welcome. Whoever needs any kind of help. Uh, currently, how I try to help people is obviously I'm not going to sit with someone and just try to like anybody can do that. And you probably have people around you who can help you for that. Uh, just to sit and have a conversation like anybody can help you with that. How I help people is with an additional bonus. Since fitness came into my life as a savior uh, initially and it grew up as a passion, uh, I have gained knowledge in this particular field over the past seven years. So recently I had decided that I'll put this into good use. Previously, I had been using it on myself and on my friends just free of cost, like, you know, uh, okay, you need that help, you know, let me guide you and stuff. I got them results and results were coming every time and they just came back for more, for, like every time. Uh, but I could see people taking me for granted as well because I was giving it out for free. So I decided that, you know, rather than just giving it out, like, you know, as a friendly person, let's try to make it a profession. After all, something which I love. And so today I like recently I've started working as a fitness coach. I am coaching people get their fitness achieved, whatever their fitness goals may be. If you want to like become like gain muscle size, if you want to lose fat, if you just want to stay fit, if you want to lose your medical conditions, I've done that as well. Like if you have blood sugar, whatever it may be, I can help you lose that. And it's not just about fitness coaching that I'm doing right now. It's much about my life story blended within it. So today I'm not just a fitness coach who would probably give you a diet plan or a exercise chart. I would probably be there in the process with you and there are many ways in which I can help you make a stronger mindset. Uh, if you have that unbreakable mindset and that positive approach, I'm sure that it's not just fitness that you're going to see improvement while I coach you. It's many other areas in your life. And so what I felt was like fitness could be a medium for me to attract people towards me but I'm going to give them a, this extra bonus and basically not just improve their physical self, but their whole life. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Now we're going to put your link down there into the description of the podcast and of the YouTube. So you guys, if you want to make contact with Vishal uh, down there, you just need to look there. And it is with absolute pleasure that I'm I'm sitting here and contemplating that I had one hour with you which enriched my life and has changed me forever because the insights that you gave me were so powerful that there is no way that I can just say oh that was a nice interview and get on with my life no, that is, sorry, there are people that touch you and change you just by being there. And that happened here over Zoom for crying out loud. You touched me with your story. You captivated me here. Uh, 
how much more powerful will that be if you guys are happen to to be actually close to to Vishal and and actually just work with the guy? Where will that stop? Where will the, the development stop? Oh Christ! Now, honestly, I'm so pleased for you, and I wish you so much an ongoing beautiful path that you can follow yourself. You're helping others. And no doubt there will be at one stage, there will be more challenges being thrown at you. So I hope this path of positivity will never darken. I hope that the light in you will be so strong that you set fire to other people uh, in a positive way, which then shine back on you and um, I think that's that's why we all do that this is we are here to make this world a little bit better one interview at a time one meeting at a time and maybe if we all work like that who knows maybe this world will turn a bit around and will become a better place Vishal I'm so so grateful for your time today Thank you so much. I Thank wish you, you so much for having. Thank absolutely. you so much for having me on your show. It's it's been a pleasure, and seriously, thank you so much. It's it's been a pleasure to talk to you, <laughs> and it's been an honor to be able to share this on your podcast with mm. so many listeners around the world. Mm. This means a lot to me, and thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Rishan. And you out there, I I don't need to say any more words. Look after yourself. And I'm sure you will be as touched from from today's interview as I am. Look after yourself. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.